The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Uh, if it happens, it happens. Um, and obviously, it's kind of a good thing because, uh, I mean, offensive line is protecting uh, really, really well. Um, so uh, it might be the regular season, hopefully. I mean, I go in with the mindset that I'm going to take a hit here or there, but the offensive line goes with the mindset that they, want, they don't want me getting touched. So it's hard to tell them to let someone through. It's not, it's not like I remember the Titans or anything like that. So I just get if, if it happens, it happens. Good to know the offensive line is trying to block for the quarterback this time around. And it's easier to block for the quarterback in practice when Chris Jones isn't there. So, look, Chris Jones isn't there. And who knows when he's going to be there. We touched on this yesterday because Chris Jones had responded to someone who had who had pointed out on Twitter and asked the question on Twitter when you're going to be there. And he said week eight. And week eight is very simple. I don't want to get into the complicated aspects of the CBA, but week eight is when you need to show up to get credit for the contract year and push your way to free agency. If you wait any longer than that, you may not get enough weeks in. They can put you on a roster exempt list for three weeks and just screw it all up. Week eight is the magic number to get there, to check the box on the contract year and set yourself up for free agency or the franchise tag in 2024. That's why he said week eight. And that's where we are now. You know, I thought they would land this plane. I thought they would recognize a week or so before the start of the season. Now's the time to go to our bottom line position. It could be when they both go to their bottom line position, Chris, they still don't overlap. They still don't meet somewhere in the middle. And Jones, at least based upon what he tweeted or posted on social media, what he posted on X, whatever the hell it's called, it sounds like he's he's willing to. But in order to get your best deal... You have to create the impression for the other side that you are willing to take that kind of a stand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that kind of a stand, that much money, $50,000 a day, like great Scots, Batman, holy cow. Uh, but, but, like, it, it's official. It's official. I will say that. It's time to start worrying about it, you know. We've hit that threshold of, like, wait, Chris Jones? It, yeah, I'm starting to get a little worried. Nick Bosa's not in with the 49ers camp? This is the time of the year where the coaches are starting to go, wait, Hey, we got a real game in two weeks. Like, I know we've been working in training camp, but okay, um, hey, front office, it's time to get the deals done and get the freaking players out here. And 
you know, hey, the 49ers, they got an all-star defense. We know that. They got a ton of D-linemen and all that. The Chiefs, it's a little different. They're an offensive football team. That's what they're built around. They have a lot of money on that side of the ball and assets. Chris Jones is one of the few blue chippers that we talk about on the front seven of this defense. They don't have any guys on that defensive line as of right now where you go, ooh, we got a game plan for him or watch out how we do, other than Chris Jones. So I worry about that situation you know, much more than Nick Bosa. And then especially when you got the Lions coming to town in week one, the Lions can run the ball on everybody. They ran the ball on everybody last year. They got one of the better offensive lines in football to where I would be worried about Kansas City's defense in that matchup if they did not have Chris Jones out there on a consistent basis. Uh, you're absolutely right. And this isn't like Tyree Kill where, oh, yeah, we can just move on from him and everything will be fine. No, right. No, you don't have anyone else who can do what Chris Jones does. So Andy Reid was asked yesterday about this situation, given that Chris Jones has said he'll show up week eight. Specific question for Andy Reid. Do you expect to start the season without Chris Jones, given where things stand right now? There's been no communication, so I don't, I don't know uh, what's going to go there. But whatever happens, happens. I mean not there we the game goes on right so that's how it works so you used to do the gm stuff too i know you've said you kind of like not being a part of that but as someone who's a head coach and been here for as long as you have you know chris so well is there, is there a way for you to get involved with this or you, you just um no not right now there's not yeah yeah so he's got they got to communicate and do their thing and there's just been no communication so Now, that should not be as alarming as some would think because there's no reason for communication until we get to midnight. The key is understanding mutually both sides when the clock strikes 12. That's when you accelerate the communication, and that's when you move towards your bottom line because in any negotiation, if you move towards your bottom line prematurely, you will get squeezed off of it when the clock strikes midnight. So for me, it's a week from now. It's... When the Chiefs begin their practice week in advance of the Lions game, that's when the clock strikes 12. That's when you communicate. You communicate a day or two in advance of that. Somebody's got to make the first move. And there's all sorts of weird head game stuff like, oh, I made the first call. I'm more anxious to do the deal than the other side is. Weird, weird stuff comes into play here. But at the end of the day, Chris, the question is, will they reach an agreement? Can they find a consensus between 22 and a half and 31.6, that's the gap between that cluster of guys. They're all around 22 and a half. Quinnen Williams, Deron Payne, Jeffrey Simmons. Right. I'm forgetting one. There's like four of them that all got paid in that cluster. Dexter at Lawrence. At 22 and a half. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence. And then you got, and then you got Aaron Donald at 31.6. And Chris Jones wants to be closer to Aaron Donald. He's got to pass up the other guy. Right. That, that's, yeah, right, I, yeah, I, he's got to get between twenty-five and thirty. Right. Maybe if he says he wants thirty, maybe he'll take twenty-eight. Yeah. But the, yeah. the, the chief, you know, we'll see. We'll see. There's no reason to talk until we get to midnight, and midnight is coming, and we'll find out whether or not they can get there. That Quinnen Williams twenty-four, that's not real. It's all in the range of twenty-two and a half to twenty-three and a half. That Quinnen Williams one is inflated just to get at him a little bit above the others they always put some fugazi stuff in the back end to do that they're all as a practical matter in the range of 22 and a half to 23 and a half million yeah yeah and, and and he deserves to be you know above that group above everybody except for aaron donald right for the way he's played he's he's 
is, you know, like we've talked about a lot. For the last few years, for a while now, he's been one of the three best defensive tackles in football. Last year was the first one we thought he was the best, right? So, yeah, this is this is a, a big moment, you know, and, and as far as their defense, where it's at, you're right, it's coming to the the – the 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 absolute pinnacle here of when you got to get it done and I where I worry about like where you're right you set the 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 barrier or the line right as far as twelve o'clock midnight when they can get a contract done I, I also just go damn these are this is a D tackle that weighs three hundred and thirty five pounds like if we wait to the last possible second and he only has like seven days to get ready for the Lions, he ain't going to be Chris Jones that we saw in the Super Bowl or in the AFC Championship game either. And, you know, so at, right now I look at it and go, Kansas City's defense is not going to be at full strength against the Detroit Lions and be as dominant or as good as it possibly can be. Now, a lot of good there, don't get me wrong, but I think that's just going to put more pressure on Mahomes and the offense to score points against the Lions. Oh, you're absolutely right. And look, even if he shows up in time for week one and they play him in week one, how effective yeah, is he right. going yeah. to be? Same questions apply to the 49ers and Nick Bosa, who continues to be holding out two and a half weeks from the 49ers' first game at Pittsburgh. Here's Patrick Mahomes when he was asked about whether he expects to start the season without Chris Jones on the field. I know that stuff, contract stuff, is hard to talk about because everybody wants to make money for their entire family and and everything like that. But I know how much Chris Chris loves the Chiefs. He loves being a part of this organization. Um, and so uh, I just try to stay out of it and just tell Chris that I love him and that whenever he does does come back, he'll, he'll be welcome with open arms. And uh, we know that he's preparing himself so that whenever he does get back, he can be that dominant player that he always has been. Yeah, we stay in contact with him all the time. I mean, he's, he's in good spirits. I mean, he's, he's a guy that he loves football. Like I said, he loves playing for the Chiefs. Um, and so this is a, it's a hard time for all players, I think, whenever this stuff comes up because um, you want to play, you want to be out there, but at the same time you want to take care of your family. So it's, it's finding that, that right spot and, and where, where you think you need to be at at that time. And so um, it doesn't hurt, like I said, it doesn't hurt his relationship with any of us. I mean, we respect his decision, um, but at the same time, whenever he comes back, we'll welcome with open arms and know that he's going to be a pivotal uh, teammate to help us try to make a run at the Super Bowl again. And, and look, it's it's more than taking care of your family. It's getting fair value for the sacrifices you're making. It's making sure that someone else isn't benefiting from shortening your lifespan or ensuring that your later years will be filled with more agony and discomfort than they ordinarily would be because you can't walk from all the, the hits you took playing football. It's not just taking care of your family. It's about being treated fairly and properly by this game that sucks so much of the money to those who never step on the field. That's what it's about. Because yeah. it's easy to say he's got enough to take care of his family. No, well, that goes there's back a, to our there's tweet. A, there's, a subtle, there's a subtle pejorative in there when you say you got to take care of your family because you don't need to take care of your family. Unless you got a hell of a lot of kids, <laughs> you don't need $30 million a year to take care of your family. But it all comes down to what you're going to do to treat a guy fairly and what he's going to do to ensure he forces – the team to treat him fairly. You know, Clark Hunt never gets criticized. Never gets scrutinized. Nice guy, mild-mannered. Who do you think's calling the shots on these deals at the end of the day? Who yeah. do you think? Who do you think's got the finger on the the change purse? It ain't Andy Reid. At the end of the day, the money guy is the guy who's paying the money. 
And if they wanted to get this done right now, Clark Hunt could get it done right now. But I think Clark Hunt likes having this collection of superstars who are content to just make enough to take care of their family, who are happy to be underpaid. You got Travis Kelsey at $14 million a year. Are you kidding me? And he's happy at $14 million a year? Every once in a while, he's like, maybe I'm getting screwed here. Ah, we're winning championships. Who cares? And you got Mahomes at 45 when, you, when Justin Herbert's at 52 and a half. And who knows where Joe Burrow's going to be. And the market's going to keep going. And Mahomes is just happy. He's got this giant house now and he's making all this marketing money and he doesn't seem to care so i think that that the team wants to parlay that into as many guys as possible who act the same way and chris jones isn't willing to act that way and i don't think they know what to do about it no right and he shouldn't act that way you know patrick mahomes has got another 12 13 years left in his career if he wants travis kelsey he's a tight end he's had a long career already he's still got a lot of years in front of him too here right so defensive tackle position Chris Jones plays no this will be the last significant contract there's no doubt about it yeah I think you're right they're hoping that you know the pressure of hey we won the Super Bowl or Clark Hunt is hoping that and and look at our other stars and they're hoping can we bring up the tweet again right they're hoping that that sentiment there that stupid sentiment that's sent out by fan bases at time he's uh, you're under contract well, hey, guy, uh, uh, Sean Berkey, then tweet at every team when they cut a guy that is under contract. How dare they do that? Like, be quiet with this crap, guys. I'm just sick of fans saying this stuff. You're a, How much money do you need? It's about what you're worth. You're not a doctor. You can't do this forever. He's got a short period of time, and like you said, there's a good chance when he's in the 50s he won't be able to walk or have a hip problem or have a bunch of other problems to go along with it. So, yeah, that's, they're playing that angle there, and they're playing hardball, and it, it might cost them a chance to win another Super Bowl with the way the AFC is laid out this year. You know, from time to time, I'll make the point that fans line up behind the billionaires instead of the millionaires. They resent the players. There may be some deeper societal issues at play, but at, at, the, at the surface, and I think the easiest explanation is everyone is acting out in their own self-interest, and fans just want the players there. They don't care how much money they're making. They don't care if they want more. They just want them there. Chiefs fans want Chris Jones there. And I think at some level, even though Patrick Mahomes said all the right things, you think he's not pissed off Chris Jones isn't there? He wants to win another championship. Of course. Having Chris Jones there makes it more likely that he wins another championship. Having Chris Jones not there makes it harder for him to win that championship. He's trying to catch Tom Brady. Hell yes, he wants Chris Jones there. So everyone is acting out in their own self-interest. And Chris Jones' interest is get paid while you can because this is your last opportunity to do it because you're not going to play until you're 40. You got to get paid now. And that's what he's trying to do. And, yes, he has a contract. But remember, there's another contract beyond the one he signed with the Chiefs. There's a contract between the league and the union that allows him to hold out, that allows him to withhold services. If he's willing to pay the 50000 a day, if he's willing to forego the game checks – under the terms of that broader contract, he can show up week eight, satisfy his contract, and get himself toward free agency. And then next year, they could franchise tag him, and he could do it again. And he would have no financial exposure because he wouldn't be under contract. So he's got every right to take advantage of that other contract that all players and all teams are party to, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I know. This is his right. We'll see where it goes. Hey, it's still one where... I mean, I you know, again, I wish he would have done it and held in. 
I get, you know, I get what he's doing there. I, I honestly think we're in the day and age where there's more pressure on the team when you hold in. You yeah. got to see that yes. guy every well, day. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I know you're right. You could probably make an argument yeah. for the other side too, but it makes it uncomfortable. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of teams with the hold in. They, they buckle. It seems like more times than not, you got to look at the guy in the eye every day. It starts to filter into the locker room. Like we talk about right now, you just got to answer at the podium and then you walk in the locker room and he's not there. He's not there bad-mouthing the organization or going, hey, look, they're ripping me off. They're going to rip you off, do all that. That's where I'm in favor of the hold-in, let alone I'm in favor of the players keeping $50,000 a day. The only problem with that, though, is – now, first of all, if the teams didn't – if the teams had no problem with holdout, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have rigged it so it's 50000 a day if you're on your second contract and it can't be waived. But I, I just think that with the hold-in – you get to a natural point where it's time to go play, like we saw with Roquan Smith and the Bears last year. The hold-in only works if the team is committed to eventually do a deal. If they dig in, if they dig in at 24 or 25, and we're so, I'm sorry we're not giving you any more than that, what's Chris Jones going to do? I'm here. I can't leave. Once you're there, it's so much harder under the CBA to leave. The key is to never show up, just like Jonathan Taylor should have done. Don't show up. That's the key. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor coming up the supposed deadline on doing a deal but before we we go apparently chris jones retweeted a photo photoshop of fat chris jones i guess this is a <laughs> when you're not if <laughs> you show if you show up without going to training camp in the preseason uh that's what you get and he retweeted that so he was having a little fun with it but uh, i think when he shows up he'll be good to go and he'll be motivated and he'll be driven and he'll play with reckless abandon because he will have gotten the contract that he wants if he ever gets it all right we'll talk jonathan taylor next here on this thursday edition of pft live the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. I mean, it's great working with Mondre. Uh, me and Mondre have the same agents. Um, so, you know, we've known each other for a while, but, uh, you know, he, he's a back that, that has a similar running style as me. So I think, you know, we'll, we have a, we'll be able to complement each other very well. Uh, I think we're a balanced team. Uh, not run or pass first. Balanced. <laughs> Thank you. 
Always getting his education and being a Stepford Patriot. Seriously. Say nothing. <laughs> Say absolutely nothing. Say as little as possible. Smile, if that, and walk away. They're not a balanced offense. They are a game plan specific offense. They will do whatever they think they have to do in any given game to score more points than the opponent. That depends upon what the opponent is doing defensively and what the opponent is doing offensively. It all comes together. Bill Belichick isn't an offensive coach or a defensive coach. He's a football coach who comes up with a broader plan for outscoring the other team. And some weeks we'll see Ezekiel Elliott more than others. Some weeks we won't see him at all. Some weeks it'll be vintage Ezekiel Elliott. It depends on who they're playing and what Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien think the best approach is for that day. And he'll find that out like every other player on the roster one game at a time. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you said a lot of right things there. Yeah, New England does whatever they got to do or wherever they feel that they have a tactical advantage to win the football game. And if that means they got to run the ball up the middle 30 times in a football game, they'll do it and, and do it. And if they look at it the next week and go, well, we can throw the ball at will, they'll drop back and they'll throw it 45 times a game. They are. They're going to do whatever they got to do there. Ramondre Stevenson is the guy. He's the guy. He's going to get the, the bulk of the carries and the yards and all that. But, yeah, it's situational football where Ezekiel Elliott will come in. Yeah, yes, to spell him, great, and they'll give him his carries there. The short-yarded situations like we talk about, I think that's where he does have an advantage over Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson wants to dance and move and get on the edge of people and go. Ezekiel Elliott is, get that ball, curl up in a ball, and you, you, you want to hit me? Go ahead. I'm bringing it. And that's where he's going to have great value for that Patriots team when they get down there close to the end zone of those short-yarded situations. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. He's not going to be the star anymore of the offense. Offense. He's not going to be the focal point, but he'll get his carries and be a part of the offense nonetheless, and uh, hopefully, hopefully he has a good year. Four years ago, he did what Jonathan Taylor should have done this year. He held out, stayed away, went yeah. to Mexico and trained. The Cowboys eventually caved and gave him an awesome deal, a deal that was so good they kept him last year at $12 million when they would have cut him but for the way that deal was structured, where that full $12 million had been guaranteed a year before. Speaking of Jonathan Taylor, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com reported yesterday, six teams have spoken to the Colts. Six out of 31 have spoken to the Colts. Two have made an offer, and the Colts have set a Tuesday deadline for doing the deal. Now, when I saw that, my thought was... They're just going to take the best offer they get. They're going to be done with this. We want volunteers, not hostages. We just have to move on. We just have to declare victory and retreat. We can't have this hanging over us all year. We can't have this question of whether or not he's going to play. Is he holding in? What's going on? We have a team that we have to get ready for this season. Because think of it this way, Chris. If the deadline is we get a deal done or you're here, either we get what we want for you or you play for us this year, does that really solve anything? Does that no. make it any better? No, it does not. Why would, why would Tuesday be the deadline to trade him? You trade him when you get the deal that you want. I think this is a message to any team out there. You come with your best offer by next Tuesday, and we're taking the best one, period. I, I th That was my gut feeling. I originally thought they weren't going to find anyone to placate the Colts, and to placate Jonathan Taylor. But if there's two teams that have offers on the table, and if the Colts are motivated to move him no matter what, as long as Jonathan Taylor's happy with the financial terms, whatever they may be, and who knows, maybe a team's just going to trade for the contract as is. Maybe Taylor be happy with that. Just get me out of Indianapolis. But I feel like this thing's getting done now. I've, I've done a 180 from how I felt two days ago because that Tuesday deadline, that's the only way to make the Tuesday deadline make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I don't know what to think here. This, this is what I got to see it to believe it. I mean, I, I, I want to like agree with you to, 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 to a degree, but like you, you think they'll do it if it's just a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick, you know, again, I don't think they're going to get a first or a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor right now with how this looks. Right. I, I don't think so. I, that would be, be shocking to me. So you get a mid-round, a late-round pick. Do you think they would still do it there, Mike? I'm asking you. I mean, I don't know either. I don't have a great feel for where their head's at in this situation right now and, and what you know how desperate they are or how badly they want to get it resolved. Now, look, there's also a chance because I'm reacting to this news with the assumption that a reasonable person is making these decisions. There is a chance that Jim Irsay is the one who's saying – this is going to get done by Tuesday. We get what we want by Tuesday, and after Tuesday, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Jonathan Taylor is here. He's under contract. We have his rights, and if he doesn't like it, then just don't play. Okay, so it's possible that this is Ursay's caveat, that this is his extra little thing on the situation, that it was how Chris Ballard even finagled the opportunity to try to trade Jonathan Taylor and move on from a guy who doesn't want to be there. So maybe, just maybe, Ursay is the one who's demanding that they slam the door on Tuesday, and maybe they won't get what they want by Tuesday. And maybe it will be Jonathan Taylor is stuck with the Colts. That's possible, too, because, again, it's difficult for those who are rational, I like to think that most of the time I am, to anticipate the behavior of those who may be irrational. And it could be that Jim Ursay has applied an irrational limitation on this arrangement, which will make it harder, not easier to do a deal. Yeah, I, 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 I don't doubt what you're saying there, too. You're right. That's kind of the wild card in this. It is. And, and I think ultimately, too, just from an X's and O's standpoint, they don't want to do this. We know that. I mean, again, you, you look at who they got on the roster at the running back position, it, it's not real impressive. You know, you got a guy like Kenyon Drake on there, but we know that's it's coming to the end for him. He had a good run. Zach Moss, we don't know what he can be, and he was – you know, not all that impressive up with the Buffalo Bills, had a few injuries here and there. So that's where it, it's, 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 I'm just intrigued to see where it goes because Jonathan Taylor, the run game, all that was going to be a big part of not only helping the football team, but helping your rookie quarterback develop too. And this takes a leg out from that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess in my heart of hearts here, I don't think anything's going to happen because I don't think anybody's going to trade anything you know, substantially good enough to let the Colts justify doing that or making it, you know, selling that to their fan base and then him going somewhere and rushing for 1,300 yards and being thrown back in their face because they did it for a six-round pick. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, think about this big picture. 31 other teams in the NFL, one of the best running backs available in trade, only six teams. Yeah. Less than 20% of the league. Right. Even called. Right. And they call all the time. You know, we'll see these breathless reports in the offseason. Oh, oh, the Bears are getting calls about the first overall pick. It happens all the time. They call about everybody. These, they, 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 that's how they communicate. The general managers, hey, what about this? What about this? Hypothetically this, hypothetically that. They're just kind of sniffing around to see if there's an opening there. And to only get six calls? That's the extent of the curiosity. 20% of the league expressed any curiosity in this. That's not a good sign. Two offers. First of all, we don't know who made the offers, and there's a school of thought in league circles that if they're mystery teams, they don't exist. And that's what I would say. We don't say. know what the offers right, are. Right. We don't know what the offers are. Uh-huh. What are they? We don't know. They've got two offers. Oh, okay. What, what, you know, we know how the Dolphins are. There was a report this morning the Dolphins at one point called about 
Josh Jacobs. I think the Dolphins are content to call about any of these running backs as long as they get them for their terms. They yeah. wanted Dalvin Cook, but yeah. what, $2 million a year? Right. $2.5 million right. a year? Right. So it's, that, that's the problem. We don't know how real any of this is. And I keep going back to why a Tuesday deadline, and it very well may be. And now, now that we talk it through, okay, my first thought was they're just going to take the best offer. Maybe they recognize, given the lack of activity they've gotten so far in three days, 20% of the league calls, we get two offers, and maybe they're not that good. We just got to end this. We got to end this and get ready for the season. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, there does become a point where, yeah, man, you know, would they cut them loose? Do they feel like it's detrimental to that point where you just cut them and say, see ya, you're out of here? I, I have a hard time thinking that Ursay would get behind that and let Jonathan Taylor let him do that. I feel like it's they get the trade they want or they're going to bring him back and go, you're here, and if you don't want to play, so be it. That's fine. You're just going to sit it out then, and you're going to waste a year of your career. Uh, it seems like they're willing to play that type of hardball there. Yeah, who's going to pay $16 million a year next year if you've gone two years where you haven't put anything good on film? Exactly. I mean, grand scheme of things. He yeah. had 1,811 yards in 2021. Last year he missed six games due to injury. This year he hardly plays because he – he wants to go chase his his big contract. Who's going to give it to him next year? And there's that whole collusion thing we got to keep an eye on. Who's going to pay this guy a ton of money and become the team that everyone else is pissed at? Because the market is exactly where we want it to be at running back. And you're going to blow it up. You're going to turn it into, you know, something that it maybe used to be, but no longer is. So, yeah, I I can understand why teams would not want it to be known that they're interested in Jonathan Taylor. You don't want to create an expectation that you're going to go get him if you're just not going to give what the Colts want. But still, when I hear two teams and they aren't named, I wonder, are there any teams? And when we don't know what the offers are, I wonder if the offers are, you know, embarrassingly low. That, All right, uh, let's take a break. I'm with you there. Yeah, go ahead. The best version of Tua is salty Tua. Yesterday, we got a little bit of Salty Tua in comments that were not directed at us. We'll tell you what that was when PFG Live continues right after this. Oh, it's here, Mike. It's coming. That's right. Untitled, we're less than a year from Paris Summer Olympics. American sprinter Noah Lyles is on a mission and is giving us an all-access look at his training and what it will take for him to break Usain Bolt's world record. Episode 1 of Untitled, the Noah Lyles Project, is now streaming on Peacock. Man, I, I love me some some sprint races, 100-meter, 200-meter dash for the summer, summer Olympics, Mike. I think we should start talking right now. Can we get over there and expand our Paris fan base, a little pro football talk, spend some time there on NBC's Dime. I can hang out in Paris. We can watch the Olympics. We can drink some Paris wine. I can smoke some weed on the streets. It just sounds like a good time. Let's do it. 
Well, first of all, first of all, I know how he can break Usain Bolt's world record. He has to have surgically inserted seven rockets up his ass. I think it would take seven <laughs> yeah, under the seriously. Usain Bolt standard. And and secondly, I'm trying to picture you in Paris with a beret, right? Maybe a little facial oui, hair oui. scruff. Do you speak do you speak any French other than wee oui, wee? Oui? I don't. I don't. Wee oui, wee oui off I don't. the porch. I don't. And I heard that you know, you know, they, we, we we heard there's enough rumors out there when you don't speak for, you know, French very good the french people like to give it back to you and i'm sure we would get a lot of snarky comments i have become obsessed with the movie inglorious bastards i think i've watched it four times in the last month and one of the things i like about it is there's so much french and german and it moves around and you yeah. have to follow the subtitles but french really is a beautiful language beautiful. contrast it with german german is so it's harsh hey, and hey, guttural hey. yeah yeah <laughs> right and 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 to have those countries so close together and the French language just flows and it just sounds so I good. Know. Yeah, I know. It just, it's just I, it sounds great. I'd love to learn it. It just that's, seems like it's hard. I don't think that's <laughs> that's how you know, it sounds to been, me. That may have meant something. It sounds a lot of yeah. cute like but sounds and I'm like, damn, that sounds good coming out of their mouth. What are they saying there? <laughs> and and I know as an Italian I should be saying that about the Italian language. I almost feel feel like the, the Italian they try too hard to make it sound musical french is just kind Bibbidi of naturally boo. right here yeah, i got you it's, uh, <laughs> i'm having yeah. fun tonight. all right uh, <laughs> here's tua speaking english in response to ryan clark of espn who made some comments about tua looking like he doesn't go to the gym and he's not sitting with the nutritionist and tua was at like first of all why does a beat writer even care enough to, why are you asking tua what ryan who cares what ryan clark had to say about tua in the weight room or whatever, but a beat writer asked Tua about it, and here's what Tua had to say. He probably knows more about me than I know about myself. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Ryan's been out the league for some time, so I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's, a little, it's a little weird when other people are talking about other people when they're not that person, so I know it's just, just a little weird. I come back, I, I like, my background is... Like, I, I come from a Samoan family, like, respect is everything, but, you know, does get to a point where, hey, you know, a little easy on that, buddy, because, you know, we, I, I think we're, we're pretty tough-minded people, and uh, if we need to get scrappy, we can get scrappy, too, just saying. You think I wanted to, to build all this muscle? Like, not nah, to some extent, like, I, I wanted to... You know, I want it to be a little lighter. There's, I know, there's a mixture of things that people don't understand, that people don't know about, that are talked about, that go behind the scenes. So, you know, I'd appreciate if you kept my name out your mouth. That's what I'd say. Salty Tua. I love Salty Tua. And look, well, part of it goes with the territory. I mean, this is big boy football, and people are going to talk about you. It's what we do for a living. Other people are going to talk about you. It's part of the crucible that you have entered. They can say things that you regard as fair criticism. They can say things you regard as unfair. And I have no problem with Tua lashing back at what he believes is unfair criticism. He can say whatever he wants to say. It's part of our First Amendment rights. But at the same time, I just for just it's just nice to see an edge because at times I think he's too nice. I hear you. At times I think that that we want to see a little flash. We want to see a little fire. We want to see a little something more. 
for him to get to where he can be. And he's getting there. He stays healthy. He's an MVP candidate. He stays healthy. The Dolphins are a Super Bowl contender. Right. I mean, he's done great things in Mike McDaniel's offense. This is such a pivotal year for him. And uh, I, I, I like a little flash from him, and I think he's going to need more than that to really get to where he needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you, you, you know, those kind of things, that, that can get the locker room to rally around you a little bit when you show a little pizzazz at the, in front of the microphone and talk some crap and give it back a little bit and show a little fire. Yeah. See? That, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't even know this tweet was coming up here from Tyree Kill, who said, yeah, what he said, exclamation, 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 we got free smoke for you, right? So uh, there, there's an edge that is needed, right? I mean, again, the, the Patriots with Tom Brady yelling, you know, LFG and all that kind of stuff all the time. This is where, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a – anybody you know, Pete Dimolitis knows, I'm a fan of Ryan Clark. I think, you know, this analysis here right here is a little more maybe pertaining to old rumors of Tua, right? Where, yeah, work ethic that has been – I mean – Tua himself has criticized and said it wasn't good enough. And I think body and type changed and changed, right? So body type, not getting in the playbook enough, not being all of those details. I think those were problems for Tua early career. Where I don't agree with Ryan Clark necessarily on this discussion is I, every clip I've seen of Tua in preseason so far or training camp, it's the first year I go, hey, it looks like he's got some muscle. He looks kind of good right now. I think he looks as good as I've ever seen him just because he does have some – you can see it in that interview right there in front of the podium. There's a different look. Yeah, he's got a little more weight on him, but I don't look at it and go, oh, he's been eating too many chocolate chip cookies type of weight. I look at it, it looks like he's got some muscle, some armor under there. His legs have a little definition in the quads. It's not just like thick mush. You could see that there's some real you know, structure into the muscle and all of that. So – uh, that's where I don't necessarily agree with with that take from from Ryan Clark. Tua, I think, hey, you could have probably said that about him two years ago. But I think this last year, and especially into this last offseason, I think he's doing what he's got to do to to be at his best here. On ESPN Live, they were or NFL Live on ESPN. I think that's right. NFL Live on ESPN. They were talking about what Tua has done this offseason to improve, and what Clark said was. Let me tell you what he wasn't doing. He wasn't in the gym. I'll bet you that he might spend a lot of time in the tattoo parlor. He wasn't at the dinner table eating what the nutritionist had advised. He looks happy. He is thick. He's built like the girls working at Onyx right now. I have no idea what that means. But I could understand why Tua would be upset by the things that Ryan Clark said about him. And this is the next level for Tua. And, and I appreciate the Samoan culture of respect. I grew up in a household where it was drilled into me to always respect your elders, no matter what. Anybody a day older than you is your elder and you respect them. And when I started practicing law and everybody I dealt with was older than me, I had a hell of a time functioning. And at a certain point, you got to say, you know what? Screw this. Sometimes you show respect to get respect. Other times you got to show some disrespect to get respect. That's what Tua needs to do now. He needs to get in somebody's face. He needs to he needs to set the respect aside strategically to earn more respect because he's got to find that next level of that fire and that desire that's going to push him to what he can be. That's my opinion, and I hope he doesn't get mad. Well, at we're him. seeing that. We're seeing that. I think he does more com- you know, things like this, speaks a little bit more frankly, and then plays like you're talking about on the football field. That, that'll be enough, and that'll get the guys in the locker room and everybody in the, the organization to buy into him.
All right, let's take a break. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next. Draft. He's there now. It's gone. Which means, which may, we're going to talk about it. See, Pete takes the tease away when, when he's not sure where much, we're going to go. And now right. we have to reconfigure <laughs> the show. But he leaves nothing there. There was something there, and now it's gone. Damn. So we'll be back Damn, with Pete. something what are right we after do this. with this guy? Got to get rid of him. Damn him. Inspired by Salty Tua, as we discussed in the prior segment, let's do a draft today of the quarterbacks who should have the biggest chip on their shoulder entering 2023. Now, we have a trivia question here, but Pete has blacked it out. See, Pete giveth and Pete taketh away. Give us the trivia question. We'll get through this segment. We'll get through this draft. I'm going to ask Chris once Pete gives me the question, once he removes the – there it is. I got it. Pete, Pete, I can read. You don't have to read it to me. Who was the only starting quarterback to win a Super Bowl against the team that originally drafted him? Wow. Okay. Hold on a second. Like, this is one where I feel like I'm, I'm going to know this, and it's going to kill me that I don't figure this out right away. Woof. Man. You got it? Did you know it when you saw it? You saw it? You knew it right away? All right, go ahead. Uh, Just tell me. He never actually ended up playing for the team that drafted him. He never played for the team that drafted him. I don't know the answer to that question because Eli Manning never played the Chargers in the Super Bowl. John Elway never played the Colts in the Super Bowl, so I don't know the answer. Here it is. Joe Theismann. Wow. Drafted by the Dolphins in round four of the 71 draft, couldn't agree to a contract, went to play to Toronto for three years before Washington acquired his rights. All right. Yeah. Quarterbacks who should have the biggest chip on their shoulder for 2023. Go. Uh, all right. You're going to let me take it even though you did it wrong? Fine. Sure. Sounds good. Here I'll let go. you take it. Russell I'll Wilson. Take it. Russell Wilson's got to have a chip on his shoulder. You get that big contract. You became a social media like jump off point of making fun of quarterback play last year. You looked like, hey, you could say what you want about Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos still. It didn't matter. There was still a ton of plays that we showed last year where I don't care who was coaching you. The guy was wide open, and you should have thrown it and hit the pass, right? So there's a guy that should have a chip on his shoulder. I'll say Derek Carr. After what they did to him with the Raiders, now, not that I believe Derek Carr is going to lead the Saints to the Super Bowl. I think he could take them to a division championship and a loss in the first round of the playoffs. But if, we're, if we are estimating expected sizes of chips on shoulder in 2023, Derek Carr should have a big one. He got thrown out the door by the Raiders. He became the scapegoat for a bad season, and now he's in New Orleans. Yeah, I like that one. He should. You're right. I'm going to go Lamar Jackson on my second pick. He should have a chip on his shoulder. People questioned his ability to make the contract happen. People questioned whether he's just a running back and he can play quarterback. Now they got this offense. There's expectations. Like, I hope he shoves it, you know, where the sun don't shine. Let's go Lamar. So I'm rooting for that one there. Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee Titans. I mean, every year they're drafting another guy to replace him. Last year it was Malik Willis. That didn't work out too well. Or maybe it will. Who knows? Now they got two guys competing. Malik Willis is better. Will Levis is there. They got two guys ready to take over for Ryan Tannehill at any given moment. And Tannehill shouldn't be surprised because he was the guy that that that, that resulted in Marcus Mariota getting dumped by the Titans. So uh, we got one more round. We'll do that right after this here on PFT. 
All right, one more round in the draft of the quarterback should have the biggest chip on their shoulder in 2023. Chris, go. Yo, it's Mac Jones. I mean, holy crap. He should have a chip on his shoulder. The fan base was loving him. They turned on him in a second up there in New England. They want a guy in Bailey Zappi who really is not even in his class to start. Florio's writing articles that they want to trade him. All this crap. Okay, he should have a chip on his shoulder. And then, of course, they had a bad offensive coordinators there last year. So he, he should have two chips on his shoulder. I'm surprised he made it all the way through to the last pick in the draft. Kirk Cousins should, should have the biggest chip on his shoulder. Whether he will is a different issue altogether. He seems to be content with what he is. He seems to be content with who he is. And maybe, Christopher, if he had a chip on his shoulder, maybe, just maybe, he would work on Tuesdays during football <laughs> I knew season. you were going to bring that I'm up. I'm glad <laughs> that you have come over to where I've been for over a month now. I was astounded by the fact that this guy won't do anything on Tuesdays in season and is proud of it. His competitors look at that and say, good. good. More PFT Live right after this. You don't like it, Kirk Cousins, huh? A couple of preseason games tonight, Steelers at the Falcons, and on Amazon, the Colts at the Eagles. We talked about Marcus Mariota in a break earlier. He may not hold off Tanner McKee. It may be end of the road for Mariota. He looked rough last Thursday night, so it's worth watching that game tonight just to see whether or not Mariota can hold on to his roster spot because if the Eagles aren't going to keep three quarterbacks, they may not keep Marcus Mariota. No, I'm, I I hear you. You know, neither game has looked all that great. Last week was definitely not good. You talked about it. McKee was he's been good in both football games. He's shown he's a he's just a natural better thrower. Mariota has trouble protecting the football his whole career and hitting the open receiver. So yeah, I you know again I'm just interested too. That's an interesting storyline. Seeing more of these Eagles young players and studs and. I'm excited about the other game tonight. Atlanta's one of those teams we've been talking about watch out for, and you're, damn, you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, even though you're in the closet about it. Uh, they've been the most impressive team in the preseason. They know they got 49ers week one. They know they got to be ready. They're going to be ready again tonight in preseason. I'm, I'm excited to watch them. A couple of good games to watch tonight. By the way, the Eagles gave Marcus Mariota a $3.8 million signing bonus. That's a lot to eat if you end up cutting him loose. But based on how he plays tonight, maybe they will. That's it for today. Chris, enjoy your three-day weekend. I will. Everybody else, see you see tomorrow. Ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.